0: Welcome to the pinch to zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news products and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're doing a Waytech. we answer your tech questions. We have some great questions that came in from our listeners. So we're going to be discussing various topics ranging from which iPhone should you upgrade to how you can improve your streaming or conference calling setup, um, even some discussion about a 360 camera. But first, we have quick news so gabe roll that intro quick news.
1: Quick news. all right so first up in quick news which is of course a segment where we talk about the latest new tech tech news and what's up next in the world of tech uh, and we try to keep it quick but usually it runs a little long so we'll let's let's see how we do this time right it's gonna be focused so we've got new products we've got tech news, and
0: then some rumors. Gabe, start us off with the new products. What did we see between last episode and this
1: episode? Let's keep it under an hour. First up, we have the Sony Xperia 1 Mark II. We talked about this one back in a March episode because it was announced, I think, around then, like end of February, uh, early March. Would have been at Mobile World Congress, but that didn't happen. And now we finally have an actual pre-order date, a shipping date, and a price. So, it's available to pre-order june 1st uh, and if you order it during that time you will get thrown in the bonus uh, noise canceling earbuds that sony has so that's like a 200 dollars value that's a nice thing it's going to hit stores july 24th so it's coming a you know a little far out but finally the last thing is it costs an eye-watering 1200 dollars for the 256 gigabyte version that's the only version you get uh and I mean, I guess that's not that bad when you compare it to it's other phones. It's pretty bad,
0: Gabe. It's pretty bad. Phones basically doubled in price in the last yeah. couple of years, if you think about it. Well,
1: it's mainly, I think, because Sony isn't one of the top brands, right? They're not an Apple. They're not Samsung. So you're buying... I mean, yes, Sony's an incredible brand, but as far as phones go, they're not, like, you know, the flagship phone, uh, you know, that. Well, with that, that kind of price tag, I think, I think they're trying to be. All well, right, it else? definitely... This is a very enticing phone. Let me just remind people with the specs... A true 4K HDR OLED screen, you can take up to 20 photos a second in burst mode, and the camera, which is a triple camera setup on the back, all 12 megapixels, as well as a 3D time-of-flight sensor, uh, is taking a lot of tech from their cameras like the A7 and even their Pro Camera series. And bonus, guess what? Headphone jack. If that's your one thing that you want, it's back, baby. I like that. I actually do really like that. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting phone to see. Uh, I would like to see some reviews from people. I know Sony's already sent out some handsets, so check them out online if you want to see those. Next up, we have another Sony camera, actually, and this is the new ZV-1 camera. Now, this is going to be announced uh, pretty much right after we release this episode, Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Well, today, well, the 26th of May, whatever day that is. When you're listening to this episode, this camera is geared for vloggers and pretty much that's it. You know, it's like their RX100 style camera, which is a one inch sensor point and shoot style, which is very good camera. Very expensive though, too. Yeah. I you mean, it,
0: funny enough, it's about the same price as the phone. I think around 1200 bucks.
1: Yeah. So if phone
0: or camera, I would which... go camera point and shoot, but this looked, probably this looked, go phone. this looked exciting to me because it had a flip out screen or at least that was hinted in the image that Sony was releasing for the press event. So,
1: yeah, it looks like it's going to have a flip-out screen so you can get kind of the selfie style shot and keep yourself in frame. It's also going to have a better microphone so you can you know more easily record your voice and capture better audio as well as a mic input. And there's a weird feature that was hinted at in the leaks called bokeh switch, which is like I hope it's not, you know, like turning on horrible software, you know, blurring you feature. know That's exactly what it's gonna be maybe but I'm thinking also there's a chance that it could just be it puts Your aperture at the widest possible setting and it's kind of just like a portrait mode type thing
0: Even or, as you say that now you have this sinking feeling in your heart yeah. as you know It's gonna be some
1: awful software thing. All, All right, Dave, right. What's next? I, it's making me sick even thinking about that next up We have your favorite thing. Yes, and somehow this slipped through the cracks the Aperture RC RGB smart bulbs, which were announced last year at NAB or, or teased last year at NAB 2019, were actually announced again as the new Accent B7C bulbs. And this was back like May 6th. So somehow this was, we missed it. It was about 20 days ago. It was in the end of a live stream of another app, uh, announcement by Aperture, And they snuck it in there. No tech blogs have really uh, reported it. So this is kind of a scoop we have because I'm, I was like, this is ridiculous that they're not releasing it. Went back through, skimmed through, found them. The 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 here's the down low, uh, summer 2020 supposedly. Yeah, that's what they said out. last year. Yeah, and they're going to be around sixty to seventy dollars. And I actually realized people probably some people might not know what we're really talking about. These are essentially smart bulbs like the Philips Hue that are made specifically for filmmakers. So Stetson can attest, when you're using smart bulbs like the Philips Hue, what happens? They flicker on video because of the refresh rate of the bulb. Exactly. And they're also, you know, hard to control if you have to always dive into the app and such. And, you know, you have to leave your uh, lights always plugged in. So these aperture bulbs have on bulb controls that you can turn off the light, turn it on, adjust the brightness and such. And you can also take the bulb literally out of the socket and it has a seven-minute, 70 minute battery life on its max power or even leave it in the socket and just unplug the light if you can't find a you know, place to plug it in or need to open up the outlet. So very cool lights. They also are geared for not having that flickering uh, issue. So no matter what rate you're filming at, they're using a random uh, like kind of refresh rate. So it's never gonna sync up and mess up your video. And yeah, hopefully they're actually right about summer 2020. I'm super excited about them. I'm definitely picking up at least two of them the moment they're out. Finally, two more products. We have a lot of new stuff it looks like coming out. Uh, Samsung T7 SSD uh, is going on sale. This was announced at CES. Uh, The TLDR of this is it's a super fast SSD. You get one gigabyte read and write speeds, which is insane. That's basically double the speed of the previous generation. It comes in a 500 gigabyte, one terabyte, and two terabyte versions at respectively $119, $210, and $360. I've personally already ordered this because I I want something to edit videos on, and that's pretty much what this is geared for, is people who want to edit videos or just need really fast uh, SSDs. One thing I actually heard people are using this for is they're connecting it to their gaming consoles and using it to boot up because it's faster than their internal hard drives. That's hilarious. I didn't even know you could do that, but that's a great use case for that. Yeah. And finally, we have the ZCam E2 M4. What, what? did I just say? Yeah, okay. yeah. You just
0: spit out like a barcode of a product. Can you describe exactly what this device
1: is? So ZCam is a company that I think they started around 2017. Their goal was in their Kickstarter because they were crowdfunded was to create an affordable cinema camera. And it was okay. I think a I think it was a bunch of, of like ex engineers or stuff from like Red or some cinema company like that, and they're like. Yeah, camera, cinema cameras should be more affordable. You know, we can just take all the parts and make our own. So they started out with, a, you know, the first one there. Now they've made many different versions, dozens of them. This new one looks really enticing because it's only $1,500. Granted, it only uses a micro four-thirds sensor, but, you know, from the GH5 and those cameras, we've seen how good that can be. But it's able to do 4K video internally 10-bit and 12-bit ProRes RAW recording over HDMI with an Atmos recorder. Sweet. I mean, this sounds like a great. camera. So already two great things there. Now this yeah. is the thing that steps it up. Via a future update down the road, it's actually going to be able to live stream out via Ethernet without the need for a computer. Holy smokes! So that's is, incredible. Yeah. This is a powerful camera. Uh, and yeah, it's supposed to be out early June. So keep an eye out for that. You know, it's no man. I mean, no autofocus because it is a cinema camera. But if you're looking for something. And you want to dip your toes into the world of a cinema camera? This is actually a lot more affordable than the what is it? The Black Magic? No, it's about Black the same Magic price. I guess.
0: Yeah, I think they're about the same price. Black Magic 4K, and they also have the Black Magic 6K.
1: But this this has that twelve bit twelve bit uh, ProRes RAW recording and sure. four four K one hundred sixty FPS internal. So very very enticing camera. Makes me almost wanna think about getting a cinema camera, but uh, I'm still waiting for that a7S (laughs) III, (laughs) baby. Yeah, if it hopefully comes out. I mean, I got my aperture lights, so maybe sometime soon.
0: All right, so next up in news, we have the tech news. First up, DJI actually loses a drone patent fight with Autel, and this could impact their US sales. Basically what happened here is Autel Robotics, they manufacture a lot of great drones. And they patented. They
1: they they manufacture a couple great drones. A couple, primarily the Autel Evo.
0: Debatable. We'll see. We'll see. I know I'm a DJI fan. Gave you fly DJI, uh, but basically what happened is Autel had this patent for the way a motor would lock in to the drone itself, and apparently DJI kind of copied this patent. I don't know if it was intentional, accidental, could have been developed alongside, and Autel just filed the patent, you know, before DJI, but. Regardless, this could either mean DJI gives Autel Evo or Autel a lot of money or uh, they could impact the sales of the drones that DJI manufactures that violate this patent.
1: Next up. Yeah, I, I do not want to see this because there's, there's been a lot of articles saying that we might not see DJI drones being sold in the US for a while if it goes through. Yeah, so. this
0: is true. I'm, I'm guessing it's just going to be a huge sum of money transfer because... Like, paying that money and keeping the one of the biggest drone markets out there is huge for DJI. Next for up, sure. Twitter. They are now letting you choose
1: who can reply to your tweets. Have you seen this, Gabe, or heard about this? I did actually see this, yeah. It looks like a really uh, cool feature to moderate, like, how much, you know, hate comments people are getting, potentially. Basically, the way it works
0: is if you mention people in a tweet, you have the option to select, only those I mentioned can reply. And this basically creates kind of a, I think it's a private thread. Maybe it's a public thread, but it's only- People can see it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it's a public thread, but again, only individuals who are mentioned can reply. So it kind of filters out all of the spam you would get and can create potentially a more meaningful online interaction and a better, more coherent conversation, which I think is what Twitter was going for. Next up, companies are taking the work from home initiative actually quite seriously. So we have companies including Facebook, Google, Zillow, Amazon, Microsoft, and Coinbase announcing that employees will be able to work from home, uh, either through October around October second, or honestly through the end of the year. Uh, so I think if if you're working at home, you're you're gonna be uh, still working at home. Yeah, and I, think I read this a will... I
1: read a stat where about one third of people living in the cities in the U.S. were looking to move out to more rural areas, and I think. A, that's because of COVID-19 and, you know, the kind of people realizing, wow, cities are definitely more vulnerable to that uh, threats in the future. But also now, yeah, if you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. You don't have to be located in the same city as Facebook or whatever huge company you're working for.
0: I think this will change the workplace culture, too. I think it'll just be more accepted, more common, and there will be better systems built and put in place to help facilitate a uh, smoother work from home experiences, both for onboarding and for current employees and all of that stuff. Now, speaking of doing work from home, Microsoft actually had their sort of version of a WWDC. They held their Microsoft Build 2020 event. It was a conference for developers. They announced many new things. I'm going to quickly go through a few of them. Here's what you need to know. Microsoft Edge. This is the browser by Microsoft. They now allow a 3D This was kind of the
1: follow-up to their Internet Explorer.
0: Yeah, well, it's a complete overhaul. And I think we'll touch a little bit more on oh, this yeah. Hint. in a bit. Uh, but basically, you can now have a 3D view in your web inspector so you can see the Z axis of your web page elements. There's also a new integration with Pinterest. Microsoft announced Microsoft Lists, which is a new productivity and task management app fully integrated into Teams. This actually replaces SharePoint lists. Microsoft also introduced Fluid Components. The idea here is instead of having to create a document, you can create sort of an online-based widget that can then be implemented in any document you choose. It's kind of like a Lego block, whether it's a chart or a text block or a to-do list, and you can kind of pop it into your other documents that you're working in.
1: It's kind of like a little bit I see how like Photoshop, Adobe works there. You know, you can create a PSD file and then put that into something else yeah
0: uh, kind of i
1: think a little bit yeah it, it's, it's
0: more like um if you heard of notion i think it's kind of a similar idea around that okay and finally uh, well i guess finally for what i'm going to talk about microsoft is building the fifth most powerful super supercomputer with 285,000 processors for their azure
1: cloud computing services wow that is quite something and i know that's uh app microsoft is really competing right now against amazon amazon has the Largest market share of their web services. So doing something like this, a lot of you know companies use the web services mainly for just storage and stuff. But more and more, it's companies turning to them for processing power to crunch numbers, to do really uh, detailed analysis. You see all the time MLB uses them for like their uh, overlays and graphics and all their super high res um, and cool like replays and stuff. So it's great having awesome more to see. more competition in this space. Uh, also. Apple, they just released their new software for
0: iPhones and iPads. Uh, This is iOS 13.5 and it includes the exposure notification and tracking system for COVID-19. You do need to have an app to take advantage of this new feature, but it's there. So hopefully soon you can now participate in that tracking if you wish. And finally, Facebook had three bits of news here. They have a new AI tool that will automatically identify the items you put up for sale on Facebook Marketplace. Facebook is buying Giphy for $400 million. And apparently Giphy is actually, I want to say the second largest search engine, I believe. I don't know how
1: accurate that is, but it's like... It's it's getting pretty big. I remember when it was just like, yeah, it was nothing back in the day. Just a couple gifts GIFs here and there. Now it's gotten integrated into so many different services. The thing I'm a little worried about is, you know, just like when... Facebook bought Instagram and all of a sudden integrations with Instagram and Twitter stopped working and all that different stuff. How many ways is uh, Facebook going to cut off the integrations? Like, for example, you know, when you use iMessage, you got Giphy right there. But guess what Facebook also has that they'd rather promote? Facebook Messenger. Or WhatsApp. Oh, even. Yeah. So why would they want you to use Giphy in iMessages when they can get you to WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger? So that's why I'm kind of a little bit hesitant about this acquisition I don't know how it could be prevented because it's not really a monopoly. You know, they, DoorDash is buying uh, or wants to buy Grubhub. I think I saw was that or no Uber Eats wants to buy Grubhub and that might get prevented because that's a little bit more like a monopoly. But this I, I feel like it's unfortunately going to go through. We have to wait and see what
0: happens because I, I don't really know how Giphy makes its money or how Facebook will implement it. We probably
1: don't make money. Honestly.
0: Most companies, <laughs> I don't think so. That's
1: how most companies in Silicon Valley work. They just get users.
0: And finally, Facebook launched its Bitmoji-like avatars in the U.S.,
1: basically mimicking Apple's Memoji and Snapchat's Bitmoji. Well, yeah, bi- mim- mimicking Snapchat's, uh, Apple's Memoji, who is mimicking Snapchat's Bitmoji. So There you go. The train keeps going of mimicking. And, Gabe, what do we have for some rumors? For- in our Up Next part, or what, What's Up Next? What are we calling it? What's Up Next in Tech, which is yeah, the Yeah, What's Up Next in Tech. Segment. Uh, first off, we had uh, Microsoft Surface Duo. Now, I think in a previous segment, we'd mentioned that the Duo and Neo might have been delayed. The Neo is definitely delayed until next year. These are Microsoft's folding devices that they previewed last fall. The Duo, it looks like, will still be announced and or released in this fall, but could be a little, little underwhelming, I think, right?
0: Yeah, so basically the report that is the specs leaked and we're seeing, as you would expect, last generation, processor so the Snapdragon 855 makes sense they were Microsoft was working on this last year fine they don't get the new processor the real disappointment is the battery Microsoft is reportedly putting a 3460 milliamp hour battery in this phone which again has two screens considering the display of a phone eats up the most battery life people are concerned this device just won't last that long. Well,
1: don't don't the new Samsung S20s have like 4000 milliamp hour batteries or something? Yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah. the baseline Galaxy S20 has 4000 milliamp hours. So you can tell for a single screen phone to have that much battery life and then this dual screen phone to have
1: so much less. They'll just be so dim that you can barely see the screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> all the time. Uh and finally the big rumor which I don't I, see. I don't. Do you get excited about rumors that are really far out, even if they're super cool? I can't
0: because I know when the product is ready, it will be presented in just a so much better way than it's coming out in the leaked format. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Well, then, I, don't I don't get as hyped. What do you? Then don't
1: think? pay. Att- then don't pay attention to this because the Apple Glass uh, glasses, which have been supposedly in the works for five years or so, have been. You know, there's some more round of rumors coming out. What we know now is, A, that Apple is going to be super unoriginal and call them the Apple Glass. So, wow, congratulations. That's 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 all you can think of. That was and, their crack marketing team putting in yeah, all the hours yeah, right there. Hmm, <laughs> let's, let's just do what Google did. That works. But, yeah, you have to wait a while for these. The earliest they're going to be launched or announced is Q4 of 2021 and more likely Q1 of 2022 or even later. So we're talking at least one and a half years. From the point of this podcast, what we do kind of know about it and it seems to be confirmed from several sources is they're not actually going to have any camera built in. They kind of want to avoid that so they don't feel as intimidating, right, with the Google Glass look or like the Snapchat Apple's spectacles. Apple very privacy focused, so I can understand that decision. Yeah, well, it definitely get, gets into one of the things that was a big issue with Google Glass was people just didn't like that you were always could be recording them. So they're, no camera. They're going to have a LiDAR sensor, though. And that will help with like the tracking of stuff uh, in place and overlays and such. Uh, they will look basically like a regular pair of glasses. They're trying to keep them as minimal as possible, you know, and keep them sleek and refined. And as such, they're going to be actually offloading all the processing to the iPhone that's connected. Interesting. So I th- wonder if these kind of like kind of like the first gen uh, Apple Watch a little bit. I wonder if these will require. A
0: newer iPhone to handle that extra processing power, or if they'll work like how far back they'll go in terms of
1: compatibility? Yeah, they'll probably. I imagine they'll probably require like one of the like last two generations when they're released or something like that. And the other thing is they aren't going to have any audio even built in, and it's going to, as such, require being paired with AirPods, which very convenient that they get you to buy those. Yeah, you well, know
0: they were going to do that. Yeah, buy their but, AirPods, but it does
1: work. I mean that that makes sense. They have them. Why not just you know instead of putting speakers in, which would add bulk to the frames just make people buy AirPods. So yeah, I guess put that in your calendar, put a little uh, notification for two, like a year and a half from now that fall, um, and then maybe you'll be right. And it most likely it will probably be pushed back though.
0: All right, so that was our quick news segment. Next, we're moving on to our Go Review segment. Gabe, you wanna explain what Go Review is and what you tasked me to review for this episode?
1: Yeah, Go Review is our segment where we go and review something. And it's not just something we want to do. We actually task the other person. So, you know, I think last week Stetson said, or the sorry, the previous episode before the last episode, Stetson had asked me to review streaming services. So in our last episode, I talked about which streaming services were the best. You know, I compared Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, all the different ones. You can go back and listen to that if you want to. And then after I was done, I said, you know what, Stetson, I did this huge showdown comparison of different digital services. I want you to compare web browsers because i know personally i've been using google chrome for like the past eight years since i downloaded it for the first time and just haven't looked back since and i know there's new ones out there there's brave we talked about uh microsoft's edge safari's around or what else is there i don't really know so stetson what have you done for us uh what do you got for our go review Gabe, thank
0: you for that intro. And this is actually the first Go review we are filming live, so there'll be so a separate go review video, video version. Yeah, yeah, you can check it out. So you can actually see some visuals to complement the audio format. Of course, this will be designed to be enjoyed in an audio experience. But basically, what it comes down to is Chrome has been, I want to say, the gold standard for quite a few years now. And what made it so great is it replaced Internet Explorer six. It was faster. It was so much, uh, it was a better browsing experience. And what Google did is they made it so that each tab was its own instance of Chrome. This made it so if one website crashed, the whole browser didn't go down. You could actually keep browsing, close that one bad tab, um, and it helps make a great experience. However, Google is known and notorious for their tracking, for their advertisements that follow you around the internet with some spooky accuracy. So I did some research. I took a look at all of the latest browsers available today. And we have Google Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Microsoft Edge, Brave, and Oprah. So that's a lot of that's a lot of browsers. Yeah, and was that six or five? I think that was six. Six different browsers. Wow. So I'm gonna I'm gonna quick, quickly summarize each and then ultimately help you decide which browser you should be using. So first of all, like, what do you look for in a browser?
1: Like, I usually look for a. It has to look nice. Honestly, that's probably the biggest thing for me. I like it something that's you know good UI, clean. I do also like a little customization. You know, the ability to put in like my Dashlane Dashlane plugin so I can get my passwords filled, and you know like the Rakuten like coupon filler or different things like that that I might want. And then I guess also it has to be pretty fast. You know, I don't yeah. I don't want something that's like takes forever to load or notice he's That's kind of how I feel. So Google Chrome on the onset,
0: it's a super fast browser. It's basically, as I mentioned, the gold standard. However, it consumes all of your computer's power. Uh, Each tab you have open is its own instance of Chrome and that consumes a lot of memory and it basically depletes your battery. So Chrome works well and it also tracks you. Like you're tracked wherever you go on the internet. Uh, and that's definitely one of the downsides to using Chrome. So why look elsewhere? You want something with better battery, more privacy, potentially ad blocking, and similar, if not better, performance. So that kind of brings us to Safari. This is the default browser on Mac, and also their mobile devices. If you have an iPad or can, iPhone, can you get it on Microsoft? You used to be able to get it on Windows, but they are no longer offering it. Ooh! Uh, so it's another, snap. I guess, bonus to get a Mac product or an Apple product. And I guess my summary with Safari is it's the default browser. It's fast, it's super secure. Apple does have a strong focus on privacy. You can block cross uh, site traffic uh, and ad tracking and all that stuff. And yeah, it's super fast. It works really well. And if you're signed into your iCloud account, your bookmarks will sync between devices. So already it's hitting pretty much all the boxes you want. Um, But unfortunately, like you mentioned, Gabe, it's not available on Android or on PC, so that- And
1: and there's also not a lot of plugins either.
0: Yeah, there's a few plugins. It doesn't really work quite as well. It's kind of a really good baseline, fast, vanilla web browsing experience. If you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, Firefox, they have their own browser, and it's nice, but I noticed some pages didn't actually work properly for my testing. And the other thing, this is weird. Firefox produces a more
1: saturated web page image than that all is, the other browsers. Isn't that, that weird? Is strange. I, I, that that's stranger than it not working with some pages because I do know that when people are creating websites, you know, they code them for certain. You know, certain web browsers read them differently, and some might not just code their website for Firefox because it has a smaller percentage of users. Right? They'll go Safari, Chrome, Edge, or whatever. You know. And, yeah, Firefox will be like, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, so it actually it broke my website, so I guess I need to fix that. Yeah, you got to figure that um, out. But that, that saturation thing is really odd. Yeah, sure. it's
0: just so weird. I was actually, like, perplexed by it. I, I put up side by side. And I was like, yeah, no doubt. It's more saturated. Um, it's a great browser for sure. They do have a built-in VPN, which is kind of cool. You can sign into your Firefox account and sync your bookmarks and history across your devices. And overall, I'd say it's good. It works. They have the extensions you're looking for. And it's definitely a great option,
1: uh, but cross, it's not my... Cross device, compa- device compatible for sure.
0: Yeah, so you ha- also have it on your uh, iPhone or iPad as well, but it's not not my top pick. Okay. All right, so next I tried Microsoft Edge. I went into this super sketchy, right? I didn't think Microsoft Edge would be um, what I wanted, but it actually worked really, really well because, get this Gabe, Microsoft Edge is built off of chrome
1: yeah this is this is the little uh plot twist in the whole thing i think
0: yeah so it turns out basically all of the browsers that i'm going to talk about next we have microsoft edge we have brave and we have oprah they're all built on chrome so chrome's open source tool is called chromium and all those browsers are basically just skins on top of it um so microsoft edge it worked super well it was super fast i loved it you can sign into your microsoft account to sync everything. You have a reading list. So if you're on the Pinch to Zoom podcast website, you can click a little button and add it to a reading list like you can on Safari. And it kind of helps you organize news and articles that you want to collect. And yeah, it's a great, super fast, like I was very impressed with the speed and performance of Edge. So I would give and that up. And it
1: a, looks pretty nice too, right out of the box. Yeah,
0: I mean, it looks great. It's I mean, it's so similar to Chrome that it's easy to migrate to. Yeah. Finally, we have Brave. This is interesting because, again, it's basically your standard web browser, but they have built in ad blocking and cookie tracking. So again, helps with the privacy. And most interesting is you get rewarded. So you actually get Brave rewards or you get paid in a cryptocurrency called BAT for viewing ads that typically appear on your new tab page or other places on the internet. So. I mean, well, and,
1: and the other thing built into that is that you can also add money to your account there through Uphold. I think is the wallet service they use. Yep. And you can then set the browser to tip your favorite creators, right? Because you are the the browser blocks ads, but then when you say, for example, if they visit, you know, your YouTube channel, they can set it to tip you a certain amount. Uh, like based on how much percentage they spend on your page or based on how much they, have you know, if they really like you, they can go, oh, let's give them 20 uh, bats, you know, the basic attention token. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting take. I don't know, you know, it doesn't get a lot of people that actually engage in that. I heard a stat that I think 73% or something like that of all the users that they added never actually used the wallet in the crypto part of it. But It's an interesting thing there uh, if you're looking for something I like the
0: idea. It reminds me of YouTube Red where based on which creator you watch more, it kind of disperses your attention. And in this case, Brave is using the attention tokens. My problem, you can't sync it with your mobile device. Are you sure? Because I heard you can do that. No, it's broken. I checked their site today. Yeah. And as of the current version, I think it's 1.3. They had to disable that feature. So your bookmarks and everything currently cannot sync over. But otherwise, it's
1: great. Like, you actually earn money by browsing the web and seeing ads. Yeah, now, I, I earned, uh, the most I earned was 21 BAT, which I think is about, they're about 19, 20 cents yep. a piece. So that's like $2, three, $2, 20 cents or something. I don't know. It's not that much, but hey, it's better than nothing. Hey, it helps out, right? Yeah, better than yeah.
0: nothing. And the one thing I will say with all of these browsers is that they have blocking um, that may actually disable features on certain pages. For example, our podcast page, if you have the shields up, you will not be able to load our podcast player. But if you disable shields on the site, all of a sudden you can see our podcasts and everything works properly. So just something to keep in mind. And lastly, there's Oprah. This was an interesting browser because they had kind of a side panel where you can have Facebook Messenger or Instagram just pulled up, ready to go on the side. Made it really good for social media and consuming things. Um, But overall, the quirkiness of this browser in terms of they put the close tab button in a different spot. Um, it didn't really, yeah, it didn't feel quite as nice to me. And the social media was just a big distraction. So
1: a l- little bit trying to be different for the sake of being different. Type
0: yeah, thing. I mean, that's how I felt. Some people may love it. That's just me. Um, and they do have kind of a, a workspace idea where you can basically have multiple windows combined into one window and you switch between them using a sidebar. Um, hmm. so yeah, I mean, uh,
1: that sounds interesting though. Those, those are the
0: browsers. And for me, I surprisingly enough, I like Microsoft edge and I will continue to be using that one along with brave. Wow. Um,
1: and still, another, ba- still you're basically using Chrome though.
0: Yeah. Basically using Chrome. And the one thing I will plug for Microsoft is they have a slider where you can choose how advanced you want your ad tracking to be, whether it's basic balanced or strict. Uh, and so that's that's, That's basically the Go cool. review, and uh, one thing before we get out of here, you can't forget the mobile apps. Of course, all of these are available on all your favorite mobile devices, uh, well, but except the big Safari. catch, except for Safari, but here's the big catch, on iPhone and iPad, all the browsers are actually just skinned versions of Safari. They're all using what? the same, yeah, they're all using the same
1: WebKit framework. use oh, so they use the, they use the built-in... Yep. WebKit API or whatever, yeah. Yep. So, wow. so
0: there you go. So there is no real difference. It's okay, just... Okay, well, uh, that's, that gives me no hope whatsoever. It's just design preference. Yeah. But there you go. That is uh, my Go review of the browsers. Gabe, what browser are you using and what will you continue to be using?
1: I really mainly use Chrome on my desktop and then on mobile, I guess, Safari usually, though I've been switching to more Brave because... I don't want to get as much tracking and stuff. And I do like earning some money off the ads. So I I might give uh the Microsoft Edge a try. You made it sound pretty good. I, I do have it on my phone and I've used it a couple times. So it looks, it is pretty nice. I'll give him that. And it's nice and sleek. So potentially that, I don't know. Have you made a major switch or are you kind of sticking with what you knew?
0: So I'm basically bouncing between Brave to earn the uh, attention tokens and Microsoft Edge just because of honestly how fast it, it loads. Like I really do feel like I noticed that that difference. And I like the news collection lists because okay. I feel like I read a lot of news articles and I want to save them, but I haven't I don't really have a good solution to that. And I
1: do like Safari's reading list. I know that. Yeah, you I mean I don't Apple check user. that. That's my problem. So Oh
0: true. Uh so there you go. And naturally We assign each other a new item. So, Gabe, for this, uh, for next episode, I'm asking you to go out and review the Mavic Air 2 that just came out. Or, of course, we have our good old standby, Google Stadia. If you want to take a shot at reviewing that. Oh yeah, right, Google
1: Stadia. Well, that's. I already have the Mavic Air 2. I'll probably, I probably should order a new one though, just for this review. (laughs) Buy a second one, because I can't use the same one that I already bought. Of course. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that in our next episode. Uh, you'll find out which one I review. And yeah, I can't wait to go test it out. Thank you very much for your reviews, Tetson. That was very helpful for me. I know I'd been putting off t- looking into which web browser I should use for a long time. So now you made that work really easy for me. And hopefully you made it easy for our viewers as well. Moving on, uh, we have our horribly acronymed uh, and titled segment, WayTAC, or We Answer Your Tech Questions. And yeah, this is exactly what it what it sounds like. We answer your tech questions that you submit to us either via email, uh, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anyway. Uh, send a you know carrier pigeon with a little note attached, and we'll take it that way as well. So what do we have up for our first question, Setson? So first question actually comes from my friend Carly. We were talking yesterday,
0: and Carly asks, "I have an iPhone success. Should I upgrade to the new iPhone SE or what is a good iPhone to upgrade to?" I think this is a great question because the iPhone 6s came out basically four years ago. I remember it was the fall of 2019, so basically like right around, oh, excuse me, of 2015. So then it it was basically like the 2016 iPhone for the most most of it. Uh, and so it's like four years old, and I bet the battery's going. So you know the new iPhone SE came out. It's only 400 bucks. Is this a good upgrade, Gabe? I mean, do you have any initial thoughts like? What what would you
1: upgrade to in this kind of situation? Well, the the big thing you mentioned is the battery. Like that's a huge uh reason to upgrade, honestly. And the camera. The time. Well, I was just thinking, like, cause all right, if you're gonna replace the battery, say you wanted to keep your iPhone six, you replace the battery, isn't that usually like a hundred bucks? Yeah, it least? is kind of expensive actually. I think it's like so,
0: one hundred to one thirty.
1: Yeah, so you look at that price, that's already almost a quarter to a third of the price of an iPhone S E. So Yeah, I mean, maybe you could go with an iPhone 8 or something like that. The thing I... I mean, the iPhone SE is really great that they now are using the newest processor, right? So it's not held back in any way. But the thing I actually found out that made me a little less interested in the iPhone SE is the fact that it still uses like the old school swipe up from the bottom control center rather than the ones where you go from the top because I guess it's just, you know, because it uses the touch button that they do it that way. I'm not quite sure. But that's a little bit of a... Uh you know, downside, maybe I would try to get someone to find a used slightly used uh iphone uh, eleven I iPhone would actually say so 600.
0: the iPhone ten if you're looking at that four hundred dollar price point, the iPhone ten gently used is around the same price as an iphone s e and I but mean a slightly
1: older processor though
0: well, I don't know the iPhone ten was a flagship phone when it came out, so you're getting the modern design you're getting face i d for face unlocking. You're getting two cameras that can do portrait mode and uh, get some really great images still. And I think the processor, like the A11 Bionic, was still a really fast processor when it came out. Combined with the more modern design, the bigger battery, and the more beautiful display, along with 3D Touch, my opinion, that's what I'd go for. I would, I would opt True. for the uh, gently used iPhone 10 or even 10s. I guess Around it comes down to price. if
1: if you like the smaller size though of the you know the iPhone the previous versions like the 6 and such the SE is more along those lines if you want something bigger uh then yeah I think I'd go with the 10s even that would be a little more expensive a used version of that but or even the 10 I think it would last
0: easily just as long and well we're yeah. both using 10s so Yeah I'm I'm set I'm ready to keep yeah. this phone for the next 4 years believe it or not I don't know about that okay. <laughs> what's up uh what's our next question next question comes from andrew he asks how can i improve my home conferencing calling setup oh
1: this is topical for sure uh we probably honestly like i feel like we wouldn't have gotten questions like this a year ago Not yeah i mean i don't thinking about this people weren't really doing it and like, yeah, Apple my like, computer my computer has a webcam i'm good yeah that's right? good right you're you're using your webcam right gabe for, you my, for my one conference call a year this is all i need yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the two things I can think of is you need probably a better webcam. I wouldn't even put that up there because I would say the biggest thing is audio, right? I, I agree with that.
0: I think, all right, well, first up, lighting. Like, if you can get just sit and position yourself in a better spot of your house with a brighter window. lighting.
1: Yeah, sit by a window. And, and, and by sit by a window, we mean sit so you are facing <laughs> a window or a bright light source. Don't put that to your back so that... You're just a little shadow. Exactly.
0: Gabe, that is a great description. If the window is behind you, you will be a black outline. If you sit so you are facing the window, not only do you get a great view, but the sunlight will stream in onto your face. You will be much better lit. People will be able to see you better. It will look so much more professional. And then, yeah. Gabe,
1: you mentioned audio. Yeah, audio, I think, I mean, we've talked about it before in just for videos and making videos, but audio is by far the most important thing when it comes to conveying quality and production value. So if you have a limited budget and you don't, you know, you don't feel like I'm not the type of person who wants to invest $300 in getting good video conferencing call get, just so my boss can think, you know, better of me. Then I would really just look at getting possibly a USB mic, uh, something like, you know, the NTS, NT USB mini from Rode. I think that's about a hundred dollars. There's also some ones by uh blue Yeti that are even less. Like, you can easily get a very good USB microphone for under $100 or so. So I that's where that. I would go.
0: That's a great way to step up your your audio quality. And that's actually more important, I think, than video. Because some of these calls, you don't necessarily need to have your uh, camera on. So yeah, just exactly. getting clear audio quality will make you sound so much better. It will make the experience and so much maybe, better. Maybe
1: better internet would be the other thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah you're that's not, true. So you're not the one who's always lagging on the video calls. Right,
0: right. Next question actually kind of relates to this uh, to some degree, I think. And it's from Leslie. What is the best laptop for my kid for learning at home? And I mm-hmm. I think this kind of ties in because you want a laptop with a built-in camera and microphone, of course, just to support conferencing right off the bat. Uh, but Gabe, like, what other attributes do you think people should look for if they're considering a laptop uh, for their kid or for someone younger?
1: Well, you probably want something that's not too expensive, I imagine, though. Really, what the what the definition of too expensive would vary per person, but I know uh, Chromebooks have been very popular among yeah, oh, 100%. children and among uh, people in the learning fields because they're fairly inexpensive. Google offers a ton of suite of apps for free that, you know, from Docs to Drive to now the, uh, what is it? The hang not Hangouts, what they call Google it? Meet Google or Google Duo. Well, Google Duo and Meet are the two different ones. And yeah, I think Chromebooks are a very good place to start. Uh, in we talked about it in the last episode as well. If you're looking for something from Microsoft, the new Surface Go 2 is a good kind of tablet uh, and laptop crossover. That's only starts at 400 bucks, and it seems like a pretty good thing for someone. You know, you get the Microsoft Office suite there, which is very good. So that's what I'd go for. Apple products seem does it seem more expensive? Like, I guess you could go with an iPad maybe would be the most accessible way to do an Apple computer. I think computer. if you need, I would like, I would almost go used for this, like
0: buy an Apple computer used because getting the laptop will be so much more powerful than the iPad. Uh, but otherwise, depending on the age of the child, you may consider splurging a little bit for the MacBook Air and just saying, hey, this is going to last you the next four to five years whether it's going through college or going through high school, at or least four like to that. five years.
1: I mean, Apple products are very uh, well known and they're more expensive because they do last. I mean, my dad had his laptop, which is 11 years old. And he just now ordered a new MacBook pro 13 inch. So that's a pretty good cost to like use ratio. I, yeah, I, I agree
0: with that. And you know, Apple's definitely great with their support. If anything goes wrong and they're, Usually really good with overnight shipping and everything. So I don't know. Right. It's, it's expensive, yeah. but those are some recommendations depending on your budget.
1: We're not very good at uh, our laptop uh, knowing the product numbers. That's something I think we can improve on. We'll have to do some more research in future episodes. Uh, next question we have uh, kind of relates back to the conference calling a little bit, but someone who's looking to start streaming on, on Twitch. Uh, she says that she knows we're not gamers, but uh, what gear do she think uh we that would someone would get when they want to start streaming on twitch uh and yeah there's some tyranny emailed in uh obviously yeah we're not gamers so well, we're not going to talk wait about wait
0: until gabe's go review of google all right, stadia okay, yeah
1: hold on well yeah but so well, let's not, we're not going to talk about you know the software and the overlays and all that different stuff for twitch let's just talk about what you need gear wise for if you want to start streaming on well not just twitch i guess youtube gaming mixer whatever service you want to use I mean I, I think, think I think it's you got to start with the basics, right? Yeah. So you need some sort of camera. Okay, uh, camera, USB check. mic. Yep, check. You need a light of some kind. Check. And then you need a background. And background I don't mean necessarily green screen, but just you need something that looks visually nice behind you. What's interesting is a lot of software
0: will now actually allow you to photoshop out uh or it will green screen your, yourself automatically. And so if you Take a picture yeah, from exactly. the perspective of your computer and then enhance that image in some way. Maybe you add in some lights in the background, or you Photoshop in some RGB lights. That's an easy way to give the appearance of a really cool background uh, while not actually having to have any of that stuff set up all the time. And frequently, when you're streaming, your image is smaller to allow the gameplay to yeah, fill the right. screen. You're uh, so a it tiny doesn't matter thing in the corner. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great little life hack, and again, you're going to be on camera for this, so it does make sense, in my opinion, to upgrade to something a little bit nicer uh, than typically the 720p webcams that are built into at least Apple computers, from my experience.
1: Well, I would say more that it's it's good to upgrade because that way you can give a little bit of a different position rather than you looking straight at the camera. You can give kind of off angle, which is generally what I see when people are streaming. They don't usually have kind of a straight on shot. It's more slightly off axis and that you can use either a webcam for that or I know even Canon since this whole covid thing they've been i I probably other camera makers have been doing it but Canon I've seen a lot of ads about how they've been releasing some software and updates for their uh cameras like the EOS M50 their mirrorless one and the RP and even the EOS R where you can actually now connect it to your computer and stream right from your uh camera actually and use that as your which is great if you have a DSLR sitting around or mirrorless that's a great way to get
0: really really nice quality and then yeah, you mentioned the audio, so I think I think that's probably kind of where you'd start, almost the same as for your home conference calling.
1: Yep, yeah. Go again. I lo- we like we don't wanna, we're not sponsored by Rode, but they do make good microphones. It's true uh, they do. Blue by Yeti sure makes some good ones. I know Mackie actually just came out with some new USB mics as well. Audio Technica was my first microphone. Uh, AT twenty twenty is still a very good USB mic. So there's plenty out there. Really, just look at what. Uh you know your favorite streamers are using may- maybe or what's on sale uh audio gear lasts forever so you don't always necessarily have to have the newest and the latest and greatest I would say for lights now lights is a very interesting thing Yeah I, what do you what do you think There's two different ways to go One is you do no lights You're in complete black now <laughs> Um now one one way is if you're in a smaller space you can go with smaller LED lights Now this is like Loom Cube has some small little I think they called them the Loom cube air or something like that i'm not quite sure they're like smaller rechargeable lights you can connect them up you could also go with something from aperture like those little light panels that's one way the thing i would probably recommend more is to get either one or two uh, fluorescent uh, soft boxes and these are fairly inexpensive you can usually get two of these for under 100 on amazon or bnh and what i would look for is try to go with a somewhat reputable brand like these are electronics, you know, that have power. You don't want something melting down or catching on fire, right? And look for something that also has probably like four fluorescent bulbs at least in it, maybe two. But the one I usually find is if it just has one bulb in it and the softbox, not really bright enough to do anything. for looks. So look for at least like two bulbs or maybe even four. And yeah, that those are very good. And then you, if you have enough space, you can just leave those set up. And it doesn't matter that they're very cheaply made because, you know, you're not taking them down a lot. I would also add to the audio bit,
0: uh, you could invest in just like uh, sound panels or maybe acoustic blankets or heck, just bringing in your blankets or comforters from around the home to help absorb True. some we've, of that we've audio. We've done that, I know, many times. Yeah, yeah, we have on the podcast. And to my surprise, it actually works really, really well. And even with a lower quality mic, it can help boost your
1: overall audio quality that much more. Or even I'm thinking a gaming gaming mic if you have a headset too, could work. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Depending on your setup. Uh, and then finally background, yeah, you already mentioned that I like that suggestion you had about, uh, you know, just create getting taking an image of your background and then just putting in some cool settings. A lot of people do green screens because you get a better, you know, uh, chroma key and cut out that way. Uh, and the other thing is if you're, you know, you're doing it in your house, in your office studio type thing, maybe in, invest in getting some nice RGB lights and cleaning it up, making it look nice because when you're not streaming, it will also look nice for you, so... And it That's could be uh
0: repurposed for if you start a YouTube channel or you do any other kind of creative work,
1: yeah exactly well, can they look for seeing you on twitch now streaming <laughs> they they cannot they cannot yeah, okay not nah. all right finally, uh last question here now, this is something I've been really interested in three sixty cameras. I've been talking about these for a while, and this person says that she uh recently saw a cool video by the Carolina Panthers promoting their twenty twenty schedule uh and it looked to be shot on a three sixty camera, and it convinced her that her next big purchase should be on a, a three sixty camera or next camera purchase, and she goes on to say which one should she get without spending over five hundred dollars this is from natalie and I actually did she she sent along that video I saw it and you yeah, sent it you to saw you, what, it, what yeah it, it, i it's was incredible blown away. it is it is really i already have a three sixty camera it makes me want to go out and shoot more with it if you don't uh if you haven't seen this video just google kind of i guess carolina panther's twenty twenty schedule announcement or something like that. And it's shot incredibly well with, you know, transitions, very well thought out. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Just go watch it. It'll inspire you creatively or just blow your mind if you don't understand how it's made. But yeah, which 360 camera uh, should someone get if they're looking for something under 500? Because they do get a bit pricey, that is for sure. Uh, I would recommend currently either the GoPro Max or the Insta360 One R. Now, Insta360, sets so in, that's kind of in their name. Yeah, so, I mean you you would expect it to be their
0: focus, their main point, their uh primary well-performing camera.
1: Yeah, I would think and and I probably would recommend them over GoPro if their you know, their flagship camera technically is the Insta360 1X. However, that camera is about a year and a half old now. It's it's still a very good camera and you can get it on sale, so it's actually even more enticing, but I know they're going to be releasing one probably this fall or so. So that's kind of what makes me think, uh, look at the GoPro or their newer crossover um, slash module camera, the Insta360 One R. The GoPro is more expensive. I will say it's $500 for the uh, the GoPro 360 Max. I think that's now what they're calling it. I really do like GoPro software. However, Insta360 came up. It's They started doing 360 stuff. That's how they got their name. That's how they started so they really have a lot more innovative uh, things, especially if you're doing via like mobile, and their software on the computer is getting better and better with every iteration. So they do I really would good. Prob- like I would probably edits. push for yeah, I would probably push for the Insta 360 unless you really like GoPro and you've been wanting a GoPro camera. In that case, uh, you know, you can use the 360 Max just like a regular Go ca- GoPro camera, and just only use one lens. So yeah,
0: it's it's interesting
1: how the software does play a role in that and. Well, it's it's so much because it's you, you shoot it and you just shoot everything and the software is actually how you really shoot it again Kind of right and reframe everything exactly. So that that's interesting I think I would lean towards insta
0: 360 I'm intrigued with what they have to offer and I've seen potato jet actually on YouTube did some really cool promo videos for them and the way the software is able to go through the footage and kind of highlight certain things in my opinion makes it easier to create something that's visually appealing and also unique without having to really dive into advanced 360 video editing which uh, can be more daunting to some people
1: yeah i'll also say there's this guy i follow on instagram and he's also on youtube his name is hugh ho i think it is h-u-g-h dot h-o-u he has some really cool uh, tutorials on 360 videos some aerial 360 videos yeah just very cool stuff check him out if you wanna get more inspired about 360 videos and 360 filmmaking, but this is the future, so if you've been looking for something to add that pop, add a little creativity to your videos, I would recommend a 360 camera, so. All
0: right, yeah. there you go, and if you're interested in submitting your questions and getting featured on a future episode of the pinch to zoom Podcast, you can submit them on Twitter at pinch to Zoom Pod, Instagram at pinch to Zoom Podcast, and of course, our web- website, pinch to zoom and I think that's going to be it for this episode. So thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps support the show. And yeah, I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. Ask me your tech And we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Wait, so I'm a
1: website, I guess. Is that what I? Yeah, you just come? ended
0: on a website. I wasn't sure how to react to that. You just like, all right, I'm a website now. Now you have to buy the domain.
1: Congratulations! I'm now a website. Oh no! I, someone parked me. No. Oh no! Help! If it's if it's just me on the next episode, this is why.